In today's lesson from Luke 15, Jesus tells two memorable parables. These stories are designed to remind us of the love of God for sinners. But have you ever wondered, when you're in heaven, will you be aware of what's happening on earth? If a loved one gets saved after you're gone, will you know? This is the Wisdom Journey. Today, Stephen Davey has a lesson called, What We'll Know About Earth When We're in Heaven. Let's get started. Years ago, a little boy faithfully attended a Sunday school in Chicago, and when his parents moved to another part of the city, the boy still wanted to attend the same Sunday school, although it would mean a rather long, tiresome walk uh, every Sunday morning. He was asked why he was so willing to walk that far when he could attend a Sunday school uh, closer to home, and he replied, well, because they love me over there. (laughs) Well... There's no doubt in my mind that that people were attracted to Jesus and, and, and they're following him here because they know he loves them. He he loves the outcasts, he loves the sinners of his day, and of course, this is inviting the scorn and ridicule of the proud, self-righteous Pharisees. And as we continue our our chronological study here of of the Gospels, we're going to sail now into Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read here in verse 1. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You see, according to their religious traditions, if you ate a meal with people who were ceremonially unclean, well, that made you unclean. A Pharisee would would never get near a tax collector. He he wouldn't associate with religious outcasts. He certainly ain't going to eat with them. Well, Jesus is putting out the welcome mat for these kind of people, and and the Pharisees and the scribes are are condemning him. Now, in response to their attitude, Jesus is going to deliver three parables. Remember, a parable is a down-to-earth story with heavenly meaning. They all have to do here, these three parables, with with finding something or someone that's lost. Uh, We have time to look at the first two parables today in our journey. And the first one is about a lost sheep. Verse 4, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Well, the obvious answer to all of them is, look, that's what a good shepherd's going to do. No shepherd's going to say, well, you know, you win some and you lose some. No. Every night, as shepherds rounded up their flocks, they would count them. By the way, a hundred sheep would be a large flock, and Bible scholars say that this indicates Jesus is describing a community flock of sheep. There would be several shepherds involved in their care, and that explains how one of the shepherds uh, could have left the 99 there in the open field and go off searching. Uh, They were diligent men, these shepherds. Uh, In fact, every night, the shepherd wouldn't just count them. He'd take his rod, and as they went by him one by one, he would part the wool to see if there were any parasites or wounds. You see, the fleece could easily hide problems. 
when we speak today of pulling the wool over someone's eyes, we're using an expression that comes from the world of of shepherding. Well, Jesus says here in verse 5 that when the shepherd finds that lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. In fact, verse 7 connects this with the joy of heaven over finding a lost sinner. Jesus says here, just so, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Now Jesus tells a second parable, this one about a lost coin. Here in verse 8, he describes a woman who's lost one of her ten coins. Scholars familiar with this culture suggest these coins were part of her wedding dowry, They would often be fashioned into a piece of jewelry worn as a headdress. Uh, This coin then has great sentimental value. So she's going to sweep up the entire house, the Lord says. And these days, the dirt floors of the ordinary person's home would be covered with straw and reeds. Uh, She's essentially hunting for a needle in a haystack. So she's going to sweep up everything and then sift through the pile until she finds the coin. Now, when she does, Jesus says here in verse 9, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. You see, Jesus here is illustrating the joy in heaven over a sinner being saved. Now, this is something the Pharisees don't understand. They think a sinner who's lost is worthless. Their attitude was, you know, good riddance. In fact, the rabbis in Jesus' day were teaching that God rejoiced when a sinner died. Jesus is teaching here that God the Father is rejoicing when a sinner is saved. I love the analogy of one author who wrote that this is God in his grace stooping down to find us in the dirty places of earth, bending down and sifting through the the dust and the debris in order to, to lift the treasure of his redeemed from the garbage into which it has fallen. Maybe you have the impression today that you need to clean yourself up before coming to Christ. Maybe you think you need to straighten out your life before God will accept you. Well, you've got it all in the wrong order. He finds you and he makes you acceptable. He finds you in the dirt of earth, in the, in the dust bin of sin, covered with the grime of guilt. Listen, you don't clean yourself up before coming to him. You come to him, and he will clean you up. In fact, for the rest of your life, you know what he's going to do? He's going to be cleaning you up and dusting you off, and then one day his work on you and in you is going to be completed. You're going to be glorified and perfected in heart, soul, and mind as you enter the presence of the Lord. You're going to see your shepherd who searched for you, who took you from the realm of the lost and and brought you into the realm of the found. Lost, but found. Maybe you're saying right now, you know, I want to be among those who've been found. Well, you can be, but you must first admit that you're lost. You're covered with sin and in need of a Savior. Now, with that, Jesus says something very interesting here. He, he, he sort of pulls back the curtain of heaven here in verse 10 as he says, Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner 
who repents. Jesus is repeating what he had said earlier in verse 7, that there's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Well, here he says there's joy in the presence of the angels. About a hundred years ago, J.C. Ryle noted in his wonderful comments on the Gospels that Jesus repeats this truth in order to meet our unbelief. You see, we can't believe this. Uh, it's true, but, but imagine the perfect joy of heaven experiences moments of increased joy. Just, just think about that for a moment. The perfect joy in heaven experiences moments of even greater joy. Why? Because someone who's lost has been found, a sinner has been saved. Now, the typical interpretation here is that the angels are doing the celebrating along with God. Well, I have no doubt the angels are rejoicing, and and the Lord certainly is, but that's not what Jesus says here. If you look carefully, he says there is joy before the angels. Literally, they're not the ones celebrating. They're watching the celebration. So the question is, who's celebrating? Well, to answer that, we need to back up a moment. The Bible tells us that whenever a believer dies, his spirit immediately goes to be with the Lord in the Father's house. That's heaven. So those who are rejoicing in the presence of the angels are no doubt those in heaven who are friends, family members of that one who just came to faith in Christ, and they begin this joyful celebration. I mean, consider the implications of what Jesus is revealing about heaven. Somehow, and we don't know how, we're not told, they learn that their unsaved friend or family member has just been saved, and their joy in heaven immediately increases and breaks into celebration. Maybe you've always thought, though, that when people get to heaven, they don't really care about anything that happens on earth. Since they're now in the in the presence of God, you know, why would they care about what's happening on earth? Well, let me tell you, evidently, they care. They care about the conversion of sinners. And these believers who've died and gone to heaven, they're rejoicing when someone they knew on earth who was not a believer when they died— Now, after their death, they find out in heaven that their friend down there on earth just got saved. So, in a sense, you have this idea of breaking news in heaven. And with that breaking news in heaven of some lost sinner being found, a celebration begins. Wow. Well, that's all we have time for uh, today. Until our next Wisdom Journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called, What We'll Know About Earth when we're in heaven. I hope it was encouraging for you today. Stephen has a gift for you. Do you find the Bible intimidating? Maybe you've read parts of it, but struggled to understand what it means. Maybe you've never even attempted to read it because, well, it's just too confusing. If so, you're not alone. But 
it is possible to understand the Bible. We just need to know where to look. In this quick and easy guide to understanding the Bible, you'll get answers to the biggest questions people have about the Bible and get a framework for reading it with confidence. Download this resource to discover what the Bible is about, who wrote the Bible, how the Bible is organized and its many genres, the grand story of the Bible and its major plot points, whether you've been a Christian for years or are just starting your journey with the Bible, this guide will make it less intimidating so that you can enjoy the treasures it holds for you. Go to wisdomonline.org forward slash guide. Please get this free resource today. If you'd like to speak with us, our phone number is 866-48-BIBLE. We're in the office on weekdays, and we'd be very glad to speak with you. Join us next time to continue the wisdom journey.